fears of tripping on top. Be there! Scour the spaceways! Explore vast alien worlds! Tin right here contains the whole rigmarole. I used to smoke about an ounce of hash every day. Good. And it made me go a little bonkers. Maybe. If I occupy his mind with more duties, I can control his space. Hi. Big fat Hi. doobies. Hi. Hi. Hi, hi, hi. What's up, everybody? Today is Sunday, November 8th, 2015. This is episode 169 of the Hotbox. Uh, usually every week, coming to you from hotboxpodcast.com. Join us if you'd like. I'm Matt Lee. Got the Professor Progressor in the house. What's going on, Professor? Hello again. Thank you for having Good to have you back. This is a special occasion here. We actually have two cannabis scientists in the house uh, joining us live via the magic of Hangouts. Ask the Pot Scientist. How's it going, man? It's going good. It's going good. I'm actually reporting here from Las Vegas. I am in Las Vegas right now for the Big Marijuana Conference. Uh, later this week will be MJ Biz Daily, but right now I'm here for ArcView. ArcView, which is a investor network for investing in cannabis businesses. I have an association with them through my cannabis accelerator program canopy you can see canopy <laughs> boulder i guess that's backwards no not um, for us you're good uh canopy boulder is associated with arcview investor group and i'm here in las vegas for their conference and that's the, that's where i am usually i report from colorado but right now i'm in nevada that's awesome. Good to have you, man. And also, Gooey Rubinsky joining us for the first time ever on Hangouts. What's up, man? Dude, how are you, man? Good to have you. So I spent a lot of time this morning Chromecasting a giant playlist of your videos to see uh, what sorts of things you had been asked or you were answering on your, on your site. Um, I enjoyed the I'm Not a Criminal video, first of all. I, there's a part in there, and I, I don't want to like spoil it, but I'll just say like the, the white privilege was, was beautifully done. I, I, I like that a lot. Because it's, it's true, right? Like, we have a lot easier of a time in that aspect as far as, like, hiding from cops or being overlooked by cops in certain towns. Like, it's totally true. And that's cool. Not many people will, you know, fess up to that. So, Yeah, and I, I, I realized my privilege when I was rolling in a minivan with five dudes. There were five dudes in a minivan smoking weed in Colorado and somehow we never got pulled over. I don't, I don't know how it happened, but there is a white. The moment in the video is white privilege foghorn. That's what I like to because there's a foghorn sound effect, um, and that's what I, that's what I like to call it: a white privilege foghorn. Just realize that I didn't get my life ruined because I got caught and I got a minimum sentence of like 20 years. And there are people in prison today who are no more criminals than I am because they did what, you know, me and my friends do in a minivan around Louisville, Colorado. No, nope. so it's, it's, it's really unfair. It's kind of a, a roll of the dice, right? Like, you could completely get your life ruined by one slip-up like that for something that has no, like, negative, I mean, aspects aside from what they've put on it. And then other people just, that happened chance, and, and now you're in the system. And it's not a fun system to get yourself out of, you know? Yeah. I've, I've heard before the worst side effect of marijuana is getting caught. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I think that's probably true. Uh, the other one, Louisville. Oh, go ahead, Ray. Louisville. I have been to Louisville. It's a nice little community. A friend of mine who now lives in Firestone, about forty-five minutes north of Denver, used to live there. And uh, you know, I would every now and again visit beautiful Colorado and spend uh, three or four days with him. Can you, yeah. can you, Professor, speak to the white privilege that we've all enjoyed not getting caught here? <laughs> I mean, coming from um, where you're from. Yeah, I, I I feel like this ties in directly oh, to, to Louisville. Because <laughs> Louisville might be one of the whitest towns in Colorado. <laughs> yeah, even whiter than Boulder, <laughs> which is a which is a very white place. 
Um, my brothers and I used to play a game at the Louisville Street Fair called Count the Minorities, and we hardly needed more than one hand. Um, it's, it was like a really crappy game of slug bug, just there was yeah. no slugging. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and what I, well, I think one of the critical things about the war on drugs is that the law isn't racist. Like, the way the law is written wasn't racist. Like, there's nothing in the language that is racist. But what is cultural undercurrent is the way that it's enforced. It's the the prejudice on the behalf of, of the police who are enforcing the law that make the drug war kind of inherently... Racist. That's why America is locking up a huge number of our population. It's like we're we're number one in the world as far as percentage of people locked up. And I think a big reason for that is because of the war on drugs. It's locking up people who are not violent, not really a danger to society, and people who are, you know, profiled by the police and somehow people people like me and my friends in Louisville, Colorado, we don't get pulled over, even though we're rolling through town in a right, minivan dirty. getting high. <laughs> and we've it's seen like this we, we saw this in the first prohibition where the the chemists were trying to poison the alcohol and the bootlegger chemists were trying to unpoison the alcohol and it was like a back and forth thing with like a ton of people lying in the wake like going blind and dying because of it and it was also enforced in a racist way because the people who were no quote unquote known to be drunk were immigrants people that uh, Americans didn't like at the time, people like the Irish, people like uh, Italians were known to be people who drink wine or or liquor or whiskey or whatever. So people would prejudge Irish people and uh, Catholics, really. (laughs) Well, Um, that and the upper class could afford the non-poisoned alcohol from other countries. You know, there was still alcohol around it just it it was depending on where you got it and the rich people could afford to import you know that higher class alcohol that wasn't such poison i mean it's all fucking poison but it was a little less poison you know from canada from canada exactly good old canada which might legalize yeah and mexico we've been watching yeah yeah does that then make us the minority as a country with our ridiculous laws when we are now sandwiched in between two other countries that have more progressive laws, making us look like the ass? Maybe. Perhaps. Maybe. <laughs> it's interesting. I mean, it's especially embarrassing when Mexico is a borderline third world country. If they went with federal legalization and everything that implied canada legalized i don't know it makes sense with canada you know they were on board with uh federal medical a long time ago back in 01 so uh for mexico to do it in the united states not to and congress to just keep you know dicking around with this is uh would be very embarrassing for the united states i think but mostly not so much for the united states the people of the united states and all of the polls show that they really want uh you know it's like the percentages are in the 80s for medical and typically in the 50s or 60s for recreational so I think really the problem is Congress. I'm just, you know, a lot of my social media and, and quite a few of the articles I write for Waxy really try to expose, you know, boy, Congress is just doing everything they can to perpetuate this culture war or if you, you know, want to identify the drug war. Well, and yeah. what happened just recently there uh, in Ohio, we were watching, like they, they were given yeah. kind of the choice of the lesser of two evils. Do you want to open up? <laughs> Uh, your patients to access medical marijuana if so the way you have to do it is through this monopoly or this oligopoly or whatever you want to call it oligopoly oligopoly I learned that word (laughs) I just made it up is that a real word sounds like a Latin word is that legit nice good deal uh, but yeah, they, they rejected it. And whether or not that was due to just people being like, well, I'm not going to show up and vote because they're both crap or, you know, whatever you can't. I mean, who knows why? But it just it's it's not not happening. 
some people say it was good. Some people are like, well, bottom line is sick people can't get medicine. So that sucks either way. But is that better than having a small handful of people run it all? I mean, I'm not, who's to say? In the end, in the end, it was a big mix of a lot of good and a lot of bad. You know, I think because it was it was such a hot topic for so many months. I must have written three, four, five articles about it. And uh, it was just a, so much really good stuff that any rational fan of the culture, any rational patient who used medical marijuana or recreational user would just have to say, absolutely, we want this stuff to happen. So yes on three, you know, vote for responsible Ohio. But then the oligopoly and some of the other stuff that just stifled competition. All of the farmers groups and agricultural groups in Ohio and most of the newspapers uh, were opposed to it because, you know, those farmers would have absolutely no opportunities. And it didn't include any language whatsoever for hemp. So uh, those farmers were like, what the hell does this offer us? In fact, it locked them out. It was just completely negative as far as as they were concerned. Yeah, Yeah, I think it's I do think it's a good thing for the industry that it didn't pass. Because had it passed, and then, say, a few years from now, we get federal legalization, and now Ohio has 10 licensed producers in their state constitution, what does that mean? That means they're stuck with it. (laughs) Right. Right. And, And I think normal SSDP eventually came out in favor of it, but they were yeah. very. They, they were holding their nose, yeah. On it, they were. They, they weren't exactly for it. Well, yeah. And organizations like you know, I think Ethan Nadelman and the Drug Policy Alliance, uh, if I remember correctly, DPA was officially neutral on it, not against, not for. And Ethan Nadelman himself uh, put out an article. I believe it appeared uh, CNN. Uh, it got it got a lot. It might have been out there in HuffPost. I'm not sure, but where he, he said, yeah, this oligopoly is really bad and there's a lot of crap here, but for the movement overall and the send the right signal, he, he was saying that, you know, he was hoping issue three would pass because he thought it was the best thing for the national movement, even though it was crappy for farmers and, and you know, entrepreneurs within the border of the state of Ohio. And, and that's where I came down on it also. It was kind of like the issue in Colorado where could the state keep the money of the extra tax dollars they didn't right, right. account for. They were using it for things that I didn't exactly agree with, like teaching children about the harms right. oh, man. of marijuana. Um, and it was one of those things where it's like, ah, it's not perfect. I wouldn't right. have laid out the budget that way, but the state can do more for schools than Coloradans could do with eight dollars. Pretty right, much, right. I got eight dollars. What are we going to do? Exactly. And this is government we're talking about too. So what was it? It was like sixty-six million dollars. Yep. Um, this is government we're talking about. It would have cost them twenty, twenty-two million dollars just to administrate the return of the funds. So you know, you end up getting what, like five dollars and thirty cents back or something. That I mean, doesn't. You, know, you can that, do the math a lot of different ways. That does but. not sound very efficient. <laughs> I'm I'm no, not a math guy, no. but that doesn't seem very efficient to me. And it kind of pisses you off if they're spending it on shit like dare, you know, or any anti-marijuana yeah. message. Yeah. You'd hope it would. It doesn't have to be. You know, rah rah, but you'd hope it would at least be uh, objective and science based. Like that, fill that's, in that's some potholes, fill, fill in yeah. some potholes, buy some school books. You know, there you go. maybe buy a few new computers and call it good. Uh, let's talk about a little science. What is your just for people that don't know uh, if they haven't watched your intro video? What is your background of study? What are your your majors? Okay, so my my science background is actually from big pharma. I worked as a as an industrial scientist for Big Pharma. What I did is I assured sterilization of surgical instruments. So I did microbiology, making sure that there is no bacteria on the mass-produced surgical instruments that were being made at my company. And I also made sure that those things were not toxic to people after sterilization. 
Like, um, like if something, well, a tool perhaps gets left in a patient or something like that, <laughs> that tool, if it came from you guys, it's going to be sterile and you're going to just be okay. I like sure. that. Sure. <laughs> um, not, none of the things that we made were intended to be implanted, Sure. which involves different types of animal tests. Uh, which I which I could go on about, but we didn't do those tests. Our uh, our surgical instruments were categorized as as like blood path direct uh, blood path interfering indirect exposure. So we only had certain animal tests that we needed to do. If we were implanting, we would have to do more tests. Right. Um, so we didn't we didn't do those, but. Pretty much my job was to oversee the uh, protocols for animal testing and pay for that. Um, so that was my job and make sure that it was sterile. And you, that job think, required you to smoke a lot of weed to, to like <laughs> tolerate it. And now you're like this weed scientist. Um, I, I, that job actually kind of made, I, I, I hated that job. It made me sick. Um, Can you relate so to that? I, I left Big Pharma for, to, to be in the band that I, that I had started beforehand. And if you're interested in my musical career, you can search The Devil Went Down to Denver on YouTube. That was my... Is, is that, that something with you, you Purdue scientists? Like, you're all about music and weed, and this guy's music and weed. Like, every scientist I've met is into music and weed. Maybe it's just my circle, or... That's just... <laughs> that's awesome. I don't know, but I, I was a double major in biochemistry and theater, so I did both science and performance, and that's really what I'm doing now on the YouTube, because I I have a technical mind enough to understand the science that is being done with marijuana, but I have the performance background to communicate this complicated science for the masses in an entertaining way in the lab do you perform your science like my lab yeah like if you're working in a lab do you do you perform i just feel like with the theater background it would be like this production i would like it'd be interesting to watch that's like here that's is really my where this is going and... and this is kind of pe- uh pending investment that i'm pitching through my uh business accelerator to get the funding to really get myself a set because mm. right now it's it, it's really my words about uh, and and my writing about what the what the science is in the industry what we do and really what we don't know what don't you we know what there, there's a lot we don't know for example for example does marijuana cause anxiety Depends on the person smoking it, right? Yes. And the set and setting. The evidence seems to indicate that it can cause anxiety for some people sometimes, depending on many factors. Or like if it's a sativa. Like if you or, take – well, no, I don't think sativa indica matters. But if you take that person, you give them a pipe of weed and you put them in the closet and then you just randomly turn on strobe lights and scare them, that's going to give them anxiety. Yeah. So, I I really think marijuana enhances whatever experience you're having. So if you're having a scary experience, it could enhance that. Right. If you're having a relaxing experience, it could enhance that as well. Uh, it's it's kind of the great yay-sayer. John Stewart for, said it best on Half Baked, I think. It's just the enhancement smoker, you know. I, yeah. Have you ever looked at a $10 bill? On weed. weed? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Have you ever done science on weed? (laughs) And I I, I, I do think that treating it like a pharmaceutical is not accurate to to the nature of the plant itself. I think... It should not be regulated like alcohol because it's really nothing like alcohol. I think it should be regulated like a dietary supplement because it's a lot closer to some of the dietary supplements that anyone can buy from Whole Foods. And it's a lot less toxic than a lot of those dietary supplements like vitamin A. You can overdose on vitamin A and it's a gruesome death. Uh, So I think that... 
that makes a lot more sense as far as regulation goes. The least and common the denominator, right? Alcohol's deadly as fuck. Supplements yeah. will still kill you, but not near as much, like you said in the video. But weed, like, we're still waiting for that one person to, like, take enough of it to freaking kill them. And it hasn't happened yet. Like, we try here. I mean, I can't smoke enough to get it in those doses. Like, it's impossible. And they've tried to correlate certain deaths. Yeah, with marijuana. causation correlate. Yeah, yeah. Like, like suicides. Right. Like, this guy Edible took an and killed himself. So the marijuana caused that? I'm not so sure. I think that circles back around to how the drug is uh, provides an, in, uh, an introspective experience. And, you know, if you, if you have problems, things that are in the back of your mind, things that you think about subconsciously, those are brought to the surface more easily because of this. And, you know, if, if there's some deep-seated problems, it may be some, it may just kind of bring those to the surface and force you to deal with those. Um, so that's why it's kind of a, it's an, it's it's just an enhancer, you know, like you said, it's an enhancer. That person may not have had those feelings. I mean, they, they do just subconsciously or in the background, but it's really amplified when you smoke and depending on the situation you're in, right? If you're in your home, all comfy and cozy, or if, like you said, you're out riding dirty in a minivan with like eight bros. Like, it's, it's a totally different uh, experience, completely. And I'm sorry, I, I totally didn't have your mic turned on, so it, we're good now. Oh, no worries. Thank you. <laughs> I, was like, I hadn't said anything yet, so. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, that, that is really interesting. D- does that, I mean, does that have to do with, like, the receptors it hits on, or what is, do we know? Is that something else we don't know? <laughs> I think we should do some functional MRI and find out. Ooh, I like that. Do you have an fMRI? Can, Don't your, have one. can your accelerator accelerate that so that we can hurry up and get one and do those studies? Yeah. And, and maybe we could irradiate the THC so we can tell where it is Perfect. in the brain. And, and I think they've found the parts of the brain that have cannabinoid receptors. And what we know is that it's not in the brain stem. It's not in the parts of the brain that control like your heartbeat or breathing. Which is why you can't OD on it. That's exactly why you can't OD on it. Uh, so it, it affects all the parts of the brain that we don't exactly understand. Like with got to the- be the frontal lobes because a good indica turn you into a caveman. So I'm thinking there's got to be a lot of Will it, though? Again, I have, I have to, to interject. Will it or is that because you have that in your mind going into it that, oh, an indica should make me uh, feel one way or a sativa uh, should make me feel – well, that's something else we don't know. <laughs> I completely agree that your intentionality to the experience affects your experience in a big way. A lot um, of plant medicines are like that. Some just far more exaggerated, you know, like the psychedelics. But cannabis is on that lower level of being able to kind of guide it. And if you want to be motivated and creative, you can. Or if you want to just sit with your dick in the dirt on the couch, you can do that too. Like, it's all good. That's a funny image. I like that. <laughs> There's a scale, a sliding scale for how faded you get, and the 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 top end of the scale is dick in the dirt on the couch. Dick, dick in the dirt on the couch. Yeah. yeah, I I used to call it too high to peek out from under the covers. <laughs> also, <laughs> that's awesome. You're just hiding under the covers, you're terrified of what's outside the covers, and you don't want to peek out. I've peeked a few times and had that experience and just been like, I don't know words right now, so I'm just going to hang out right here, and uh, as soon as I know some words, I will let you know. It is interesting, though, now that it is becoming uh, more accepted and states are legalizing it, we'll see more research like that, and maybe one day we can throw one of us into an fMRI and take some dabs and uh, see what lights up. Yeah. And and I think it is a bit I, – I think as a drug, it affects more things than we're used to in a drug. Our idea of a drug, at least according to the FDA, is that it's a, it's a single molecule that affects a single symptom. Right. And marijuana really affects many different symptoms. It affects a lot of different things. So it's a – it's a more holistic medicine 
than is than our our system of even regulating drugs has accounted for. When you saw that firsthand with things like Marinol and Sativex, how it was just the one molecule and it didn't work for shit and people did not like it and they just wanted to smoke their weed. And they were like, no, here, we made this, so try it. Well, I think it's really exemplified by the fact that we have now 111 cannabinoids. The terpenes, there are 20,000 terpenes that appear in nature, but there's only about 200 that we know of. Same thing with the cannabinoids that we know of. Uh, that can commingle and appear in different quantities or not appear uh, within cannabis. We know THC is the most uh, common and, and you know, popular of those. But, uh, yeah, to take just one of those, how many, you know, we just mentioned hundreds of, of molecules. Well, and that's one uh, of the tricks so of studying it well, right, is that between that <laughs> and the different endocannabinoid systems, like, there's right. so many things to control for. It's like, how could you ever, yeah, yeah, and, there's so many variables. And if you want to be optimistic about where we're going to head in the future, you know, just as soon as the, the funding starts to come into this industry, hopefully in, in a more academic type fashion, you're going to see these tests ha happening because we have, we have the instruments and we have the protocols already out there and being used for other drugs to figure out exactly how they work. Um, and this just has to be applied to cannabis. And uh, it's, it's going to be extensive because, like you said, there's so many uh, different molecules affecting uh who knows if it's just the cannabinoid receptors right now right yeah it could be other, and professor right? i think you bring up a great point that um we already have the infrastructure for for this testing and research and uh i, I mean you know tell me if i'm wrong but isn't it a multi-billion dollar infrastructure with lots of expensive equipment uh you know highly trained techs lots of phd scientists like yourself and uh we, we have this infrastructure into which we can just plug an herb like cannabis and say, okay, what's it like for MS? What's it like for dystonia? What's it like for uh, insomnia or depression or PTSD? Well, what's cool, too, is that all of those expensive machines have already been well paid for by all of the pills all of us have been buying over there. <laughs> right? Your $800 prescription. That's, that's fine. So it's all been financed. <laughs> We got the bad guys to pay for it, except we, unfortunately, we were funding the bad guys. We're all the bad guys in that area. <laughs> Ooh, such deep philosophy. You wax philosophical. I, I try. I try. Uh, uh, what are you? You know, you're feeling midlife coming up on you. <laughs> I know. You got you to gotta be smart for your kid. You know, you want to be able to teach them the right things. Trying to get a whole vast store of knowledge here recorded so I can just sit the baby there and like just play <laughs> it and be like, all right. I'll see you in 18 so you're years. Out, you're out back, back vaping some concentrates yeah. and, and, you know, so, she's like, well, where's the kid? It's like watching some videos. It's good stuff, man. As a pot scientist, like what's some of the, the cutting edge stuff that you're excited about that you're seeing, like at these conferences you're going to as, as I guess in any area growing or extraction or, I mean, like what, what are you into? One of the things that I, that I am very excited about is, uh, what is called live resin, if you've heard Ooh, of it. We're equally as excited. Ooh, equally as excited. Cryogenic, baby. Yes. And it is the point, Go the on. purpose of live resin is to keep the terpenes. I've, I've worked in CO2 extraction, and we activated all of the THC before we extracted it. And by activating it, we're pretty much eliminating all of the terpenes. Right. Interesting. By, and, and, and you even lose a lot of terpenes in cure just by curing right. it. Got to cure it properly. You yeah. can't just throw yeah. that stuff like out on a bag somewhere. There is a, a special process to really get the best terpene count. Exactly. So, so by extracting it before it cures, by extract or, or freezing it immediately upon harvest – you're getting a lot of those terpenes, and I think there's a lot of potential for terpene replacement. I have, I, I have personally put terpenes from like uh, lemon extract back into CO2 oil, and what I think, well, what what's exciting to me is the idea of taking specific terpenes from essential oils of different plants and creating a specific terpene profile 
to be added to THC or to, to be added to uh, to the oil that you've made. The raw? And, and, and by having that specific terpene profile, you might be able to engineer a specific reaction from people because I think it is the terpenes that have a lot of the reactions with the THC and the CBD and all the other cannabinoids for, uh, you know, in enhancing their effects. Mm-hmm. It's not just cannabinoids. It's also terpenes. And Do the you, live resin is indicative of this kind of thinking. And that makes me very excited. The live resin is cool because it is like the actual plant terpene profile but it's is do you think it's like the cost to make it and the equipment that goes into making it and like you basically have to have your lab on the farm there so that it's as fresh as possible like it seems to be a lot a lot to go into it It, do you find that is a i mean it tastes different obviously than the infused products but do you do you have a preference over one or the other or do you you mean using the terpenes? Yeah, or just the, the process itself. Replacing with synth- oh, not, not synthetic, but a, a recipe of your own terpenes. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I I think it's great what they're doing with the actual terpenes in the plant, and I've actually heard of some people capturing terpenes and extraction from the plant itself, and then reapplying those after extraction. That sounds mm-hmm. cool. Love it. Um, but what excites me as, as an engineer and as a scientist is the art of choosing specific turbines to be added to hash oil afterwards. It's uh, few, I, I, I think there's so much potential for this and not a lot of people so, have been doing it so far. What if you coupled that with a service like 23andMe to where you have your actual genetic markers and everything? Like, would that help you determine the best terpene cannabinoid uh, combination, like on an individual basis, or is it not that fine tuned? Like, are you familiar with 23andMe or the other like DNA? No, I don't know. What is it? it basically, for like a hundred or two hundred bucks, it might be cheaper now. This was a while ago, but uh, they send you a kit and you spit in it or take a, a sample and you send it back to them, and they give you back like a whole profile of what uh, uh, things you might be prone to, different cancers, stuff like that, um, and what sort of. It's not that dialed in yet, but sort of like what kinds of medicines will work with you and won't and things like that. But I mean, if you could tailor one to kind of look for the cannabinoid terpene interaction with, with individuals, like I think you could, you could better tailor a a cannabis extract, I guess, uh, to that person. Yeah, you definitely could do that. Uh, Definitely in the future, I think. And, you know, circling back, uh, once we get this, this research done, we'll be able to, to know all of this stuff. We will know, uh, which combinations of terpenes are uh, um, uh, work synergistically with the cannabinoids, and uh, in what ratios they work the best, and so forth? Uh, does that matter, like where your receptors are, or like what is that? What changes that person to person? Like which terpenes and cannabinoids? Uh, just receptor expression, probably. I mean, at least to a certain degree. Uh, you know, I'm sure location of receptors matters as well, hmm. but uh, just relative amount of receptors on the surface of a cell can change the response quite significantly. So it'd be interesting to take two people that have kind of the opposite responses to the same strain, I guess. You could just start there, right? And you put them in the fMRI and see if it is different parts lighting up or if it's different receptors or or what's being triggered there. Mm -hmm. Just because you can can get way different feelings, you know, from the same strain in different people. And I really like Gooey's comment about ratios because i think it is the ratio that affects a lot of what we're talking about and again we're biased in our thinking of drugs that it's cbd or it's thc right really profiled that way in weed by sanjay gupta that thc is bad cbd is good and and they're completely different things and you should go one or the other but really, I think it's right. the ratio of THC to CBD that affects the person. Like, I, I see a 50-50 ratio as being one medicine or uh, right. you know, tw- uh, 
10 to 1 as being a different medicine or a 20 to 1. Like all of the different ratios I see as different potential medicines or yeah. supplements for your for your diet. And, I, and it definitely uh, uh, seems to go even deeper yet where when you start talking about uh, other cannabinoids like THCV, for example, uh, being an antagonist of the CB1 receptor, um, you know, if you have that in an appreciable quantity in what the bud that you're smoking, then mm -hmm. that's going to counteract the, the effects of THC. Um, maybe yeah. as a result, it'll, you know, um, help CB2 receptor binding or something like that. But just, uh, it just seems like, uh, and due to the fact that there, there are so many other cannabinoids out there, there's, um, it just will continue to go deeper and deeper, I think, than just THC and CBD. Well, and like what, what we were talking about the other day, and I, I didn't know this until just the other day, is that the reason that edibles are, are different buzz and so potent is because the way it's metabolized, it turns it into a different form of it yet. And that's a much more potent form. And it's interesting to me that, that that makes a difference, you know, your route of administration just because you're getting different organs involved and they're doing something to it. It creates this whole other form of it that's like, ooh, this is way more potent and different feeling. Yeah. I think the liver turns it into 11-hydroxy-THC mm -hmm. or something. Mm -hmm. And that's completely different from topical THC. So there... And, there are so many studies that need to be done on the different routes of administration and also the different strains and cannabinoid concentrations and ratios that to say we did a study on marijuana and it didn't <laughs> work, so right. all marijuana is bad, that it, it really doesn't make scientific sense. It's kind of a right, pet right. Line when people just say marijuana as if it's one thing. But that's where right. it comes from, right? That was that's been ingrained in us for so long. It's 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 taking a lot of opposite work to like kind of undo that and get people thinking the the right way about it. Because it used yeah. to just be it was marijuana so and that sh that shit was bad for you, and then that's that. That's so true. I mean, what you're saying, pot scientist, because uh, or, or I'm sorry, am I being rude? Is it the pot scientist? I got used to the etiquette. You here. just call me pot scientist. Pot it? scientist. If we become good friends, it'll be like P.S. Hey, P.S. Yeah. TPS. Yeah. Hey. TPS. <laughs> <laughs> no, I had some mass concentrate. I can't even remember the two freaking letters that make up your name. Anyway, uh, you, you know, I think when you're talking about these ratios and everything, I've started to notice some of the, uh, the major companies, kind of these burgeoning national brands like Dixie Brands and such, where they have uh, topicals and, and other THC slash CBD combos. Uh, that are that one-to-one -one ratio. And I, I think you bring up an excellent point about, you, you know, there's there's a big difference between a 20-to-one and a one-to-one. -one. And it, th this is, you know, boy, without this research, we're, we're just, I, I, you know, it's, it's just too bad that these legal states like, you know, Oregon or Colorado or Washington who really, really want to jump headfirst into some hardcore human trials uh, research and studies here, are not able to do it because of uh, federal oversight. It, it, it's just at what point does this research occur in the United States? Because it's a, it's a, it's like you know, steam is pressure is building up. There's people who want these answers, and there's there's patient uh, patient welfare on the line. There's people suffering who don't necessarily need to suffer. Well, and they've had the chance for how long now? Like the federal government had like up to eight or nine patients at one time under its right, care, right. giving them that awful, awful tin of weed every month. And they didn't study any of that. They had prime right. candidates there with crazy kinds of bone cancers that it was helping, and they didn't right. choose to document they any of the that. data. They, and if they're not acting it, they're not analyzing it, they're not acting on it. There's no because it yeah, wasn't right. negative. If it would have been negative, you know that shit would have been out there, like front page. Right, right, right. You're right. They, I, I mean, exactly. That's straight up politics and conspiracy theory, where they're like, no, this, or, you know, like you you mentioned in a previous podcast, Urban Rosenfeld from yeah. uh, Florida. You know, the uh, stockbroker dude. Who, uh, yeah, he's one of the few remaining still that that get it exactly. Under that old he wrote that book, thing. and uh, 
you know, it's just kind of sad that they're sending him such, you know, mediocre deck. I know there's <laughs> no. rumors of But even that, that's, even that helps, you know, which is crazy. You could have and, even and Absolutely. If the, the shit, frown. if the stuff with like 6% THC <laughs> is helping this guy with this very After severe you get disease the seeds get out. his day. Yeah. Yeah, you know, just think if he was smoking some like 26% train wreck. Well, you know he is. Valley. You know that's not all he's smoking. Come on. <laughs> Well, I, I've met the guy. You know, I know that's I don't not know. all he's smoking. Or, no, I've met him. That's he smokes. You met him? Yeah. Is he, is, he, he came to Montana. He came to Montana when we were having some uh, committee hearings for for the medical program there to speak and and uh, showed his book and everything. And yeah, he smokes good weed. I asked him. I was like, that oh, can't okay, be good. Good because it looked awful. Like we he had it with him and <laughs> we took it apart. It's like, dude, that's like seeds and stems and shit. That's gross. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, like don't they, worry. They, I don't really smoke that much of it. I'm like, okay. But it looks like they put a two by four through, a, you know, an industrial <laughs> yeah. grinder. Like, I think they shit, auctioned off one of the tins, like an empty tin, just because it, it was cool. It had the uh, government number on it. Somebody and... made it into a lamp. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. But it's funny now that like all of the the presidential uh, people are trying to hop on that bandwagon. I mean, Bernie Sanders was probably more legit than any of them. But now uh, there was an article about Hillary Clinton being like, "Well, we should we should ease the regulations." It's like, well. That's a nice way of putting it, I guess, but they're all going to hop on it. And then I wonder, like, how people are going to know which ones are evil. Because that used to be a really you know, good way to tell, right? I know people are criticizing Hillary, saying, oh, really? All you want to do is take it to Schedule 2? It's like, what do you mean, all you want to do? One, that's a very significant thing, especially from a research perspective. Two, you know, Mr. Hope and Change Obama, I'm not trying to piss people off and get all controversial here. Thanks, Obama. He's in his second <laughs> term, okay? He's like a lame duck president. He's in his second term. And he appoints this dumbass Chuck Rosenfeld, who doesn't know jack shit, about cannabis, I, I mean, who calls it a joke and is getting lots and lots of media play and social media play for this. But, you know, why? So so if Hillary's going to come in and make it schedule two, uh, hey, that's a hell of a lot more than, than, than what Mr. Obama has done for us. So, geez. It'd probably be the best thing to happen to the pharmaceutical industry and maybe the worst thing to happen for your mom and pop dispensary because schedule two requires so much regulation and human trials that all the these guys can't afford it that are open in Colorado right now can't afford well, then, no, so so is the reality of this that we need to go to schedule three or just as Bernie Sanders is suggesting totally schedule it completely schedule it I think it should be descheduled and regulated like supplement. But is that politically realistic? We've got to deal with conservatives and evangelicals and people who really hate this culture. Is it conservative to say all or nothing and then they say, screw you, and we get nothing? Because what will, what will happen, I think, under Schedule 2 is that it will become scientifically clear that this doesn't fit Schedule 2. Okay. Okay. So it will be like a self-revealing type of ironic. Right. And, and, and I think what will happen is it goes through you know, Schedule 2 trials – and then we can't recreate the medicine to the chemical consistency that is expected of pharmaceuticals because it's a biological thing. So we can't we right. can't make it exactly the same as it was. So maybe it passes the tests that we did, but we can't manufacture it in a chemically equivalent way. And so that just proves the marijuana is evil. Didn't pass it <laughs> so just these are good points. So, so do you think it is an issue of obviously Schedule One sucks and it's terrible and it's the government's legal and official way of saying there is zero medical efficacy here and in fact it is a dangerous drug that is highly addictive. That's basically well, what Schedule, Schedule One is says. basically like the DEA's reason to be right. Like if there was no Schedule yeah. One, you'd have no DEA purpose really. Right. Especially from a funding perspective, right? You'd have to you'd have to dissect it into its constituents and get like 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 go specifically into CBD, which is there are tests right now under the FDA of a high CBD strain under GW Pharma in England who bred a specific strain of weed to have high CBD, and that's being tested for, I think. Uh, very, very young epilepsy, like right. natal epilepsy or something. It was given an orphan drug 
status for human trials. And, and that's happening right now. And that's been happening with the different CBD groups breeding out those those properties in different strains. So you have a CBD version of, of the White Widow and of these other different strains. But it's all been happening like on the down low and maybe not getting the actual studying that it, it should be getting, all because of the whole scheduling thing. So if you just get rid of that, take all of the things that have been studied up to this point on the down low and just say, okay, you're all still alive, no cancer, good, let's continue forward. You could probably bypass the whole shit show that Schedule 2 is going to be. But maybe. that'll never happen. It's just a nice dream. <laughs> And, and I'm hoping that some renegade research begins a, a, appearing in like Seattle and Denver and Portland. Uh, you know, maybe not through the like standard avenues of, of research studies like the universities, but we're, and here Matt's a great person and and, and uh, Professor Progressor are great people to talk about about laboratories. You know, will they become such big businesses and turn into chains and maybe small corporations where they'll have the, the equipment and, and the you know technical expertise in the form of, of human resources uh, to to go ahead and say, well, screw the federal government. We're going to go ahead and do this research. We're going to publish it. We're going to push it out on social media and everybody's going to talk about it. Yeah, I, I, that's that's a it's a very good point. I, I'm not entirely sure. It's just the the initial startup cost, right? In order to get a lab of any right. sort of of stature running, it's well, like hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah, think and about then, like a small pharmaceutical company. So, um, a lot of those will be started by university professors and things like that. So uh, you'll see, um, for example, using uh, the technology and the research that's found in the academic realm um, and trying to apply it to a certain, you know, certain disease or whatever, something you can patent and make money off of, basically. So um, I think that once the research starts in academia, if you start to see it at state universities like Washington State, things like that, um, and uh, those, those papers start getting pushed out, then you will start to see the industry side of research follow. So we need to focus yeah. on the the colleges that are in the states that have it open right now. Oregon, yeah. Washington. Right. Yeah, it's a good right. place to start at least, you know. For sure. And then you have to have this giant list of unknowns that we've been creating on this episode and then just start answering them. See, we're, we've made the list. You make the protocol, right, the SOP. <laughs> we'll be done by, like, lunchtime next week. and and really really what you need to have for a drug that you're going to do a human trial for you need to define which parameters are critical to quality do you only care about cannabinoids for example or are terpenes important are they not important if you're ingesting or are they not important if you're doing topical do they metabolize so, into other things when you digest them? Do we know? Terpenes? Yeah, yeah. I, I've, I've seen very little. I, uh, d- does anyone know? Because I haven't seen really much of any research of terpenes being ingested. Well, you're in the lab coat. I was going to ask you. <laughs> I, I'm not I, I mean, I could go think. eat some and then tell you, but I don't. that wouldn't be very scientific. <laughs> Well, I think it's a, probably a long answer in, in that yeah, yeah. it uh, depends on the terpenes that you're talking about because they are polymers and can range from a single subunit to, you know, many, many subunits. Um, and depending on their physical uh, characteristics, the they may absorb, um, you know, through your kidneys or through your liver, for example, if they're more, uh, more fatty, more oil-soluble. Right. And, um, either way, they're probably going to get metabolized in some way by an enzyme um, that allows it to be, you know, excreted or. I wonder urinated. if it has like the same potentiation effect you see when when you smoke it, and it, the, like the myrcene, for example. Like if if ingesting it has the same effect, and you're like getting that super potent form of hydroxy completely potentiated into mm-hmm. you know. Uh, yeah, that that's probably completely up to chance, you know. Right. Uh, yeah. And and just the fact. It's interesting. That, yeah, it's 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 cool to speculate, and it'd be nice to definitely do this research because it, we might find a lot about uh, 
uh, how these terpenes can work with the cannabinoids. And even like through ingesting, you know, it's still getting into your bloodstream. Even right. if it's a slightly modified version of it, it could increase the efficacy like THC and 11-hydroxy-THC, or it could completely destroy its and efficacy. It. Yeah, and yeah. then it would, does nothing. So these will be, uh, these are, you know, fairly straightforward experiments that we could Sounds do. Sounds like what we need is a willing guinea pig. <laughs> <laughs> willing federal government first. Well. Sadly. Because you can wish in one hand and take a giant dump in the other. <laughs> yes, yeah. the saying goes. Uh, I do like I these. Have seen, mm-hmm. I have seen studies of terpenes for aromatherapy, mm-hmm. which is... Same terpenes, you know, right? Smelling. But that I I haven't seen aromatherapy applied to ingesting. Vaporizing your aromatherapy? <laughs> yeah, or, or or eating it. Right, right. I licked one of those candles once because it smelled good. It didn't taste like it smelled. <laughs> I do like some of these uh, studies coming out talking about how painkiller deaths are dropping in states that have medical marijuana and recreational cannabis yep. for their populations and dropping by quite a bit. I mean, 25%, in, 25%. in this one particular study, that's a pretty decent effects. Yeah, uh, side. definitely. It's cool. Makes total sense. Yeah, right? Here, smoke this, eat less of those, stop snorting that, and you're going to live a lot longer. Yeah, healthy alternative for stress relief, you know, pain yeah. relief, whatever you... If you can lower your stress you... levels, you're going to lower your death rates no matter what. Right, well, I, and that comes down to options, you know, where, I mean, we're all consumers. We can go to Burger King, we can go to McDonald's, you know, we can go yeah, to yeah. this Chris, we can go to the other fancy steakhouse, whatever. It's, you know, you buy a Ford, you buy, you buy a Chevy. I think it really comes down to choice. Um... And I, I don't know, I, if I'm being redundant, I apologize if I've told this story before, but my brother had his gallbladder out several years ago in a prohibition estate, had good contacts, had good weed. Uh, when he, you know, it's outpatient surgery, he's leaving the clinic, and they hand him a bag of 100 oxys, and they say, Cha-ching. They, they, they say, <laughs> Mr. Johnson, uh, if, you, if you need more oxys, you just give us a call, and we'll get you all set up. Okay. They're just like, you know, just oozing with friendly oxy pills. Uh, and he took him home and again, having good weed in his home, uh, he didn't want his, you know, he had young kids at the time. He didn't want them getting their hands on him. He tried one just to, just to try it, just to know it was like he flushed the other 99. (laughs) I'm, I don't think this is what most people would do. No. And, and I think part of the reason that he did that was because he had good herb in that. Yeah. It is crazy how, and I mean, that's exactly what they're comparing it to as far as uh, pharmaceutical opiate overdoses, saying that it's tripled since 1991. Every day, 46 people die of such these overdoses in the U.S. It's crazy. And here we are also hearing that the heroin epidemic, that the majority of the people who addicted to heroin. But that's uh, why, because. The well, it comes from opiates. They, they get hooked up. on the opiates, run out, find heroin on the black market. Cheaper. Yeah, terrible. Oh Much God, more dirty and fuels yeah. the black market. Definitely. Yeah, way more than you know weed. <laughs> it's crazy. But I don't know if you met heroin addicts, but they don't look healthy. Yeah, no. Some of my best friends. You yeah. sat in the same room with them. Oh yeah, they're they're fucking they're messed up. We've I been mean, watching Drugs Inc. <laughs> it's just <laughs> like good lord, zombie apocalypse is upon us. Right, right. But it could hit anybody. Like, you get in a car crash, and you get a bunch of oxys prescribed to you, and then they go away. Next thing you know, you're, like, trying to score heroin or something. Like, that's... Exactly. I, I, don't, I don't demonize them, and I try not to use 70s lingo that's really yeah, 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 no, stereotypical. We're just put some down, making but, light of a dark uh, situation, but yeah. But they need to know if they got good weed. So that's why they all need to move to Portland and Seattle and Denver and California get to Oakland where Move they, to California. They, uh, what better chance are you going to have of kicking heroin or, or oxy or, you know, whatever opiates. Well, than if you have good weed around. you're just not going to be freaking out because you're going to have good weed. Yeah. yeah. There's all... I, I think a huge potential for marijuana is the fact that it can be a replacement for other things. Right. It can replace the Oxycontin. It can replace Vicodin. It, might even be able to replace tobacco or alcohol or whatever you want. People, people want drugs. People want them. And, and, and that's not going to change. And they're going to get them. And the question is, is how, how healthy are the ones that they're going to get? And, and, and I think marijuana 
is like it, it's such a healthier alternative than all of the other vices that we have. That if we can relate right. these other vices we're currently indulging in with marijuana, they could be better for society. Well, I mean, your your theory of replacing tobacco is quite frankly right on target. There there was a point in the past where I actually I was a light uh, a cigarette smoker, maybe like uh, between four and six a, a day, maybe. Uh, but anyway, uh, I was just like, whoa, this is getting out of hand. This is bad. This is nasty. And uh, when I when I quit, I had cannabis on hand, and I I you know damn well made sure that I had some on hand because I wanted the transition into you know abstinence from tobacco to be as painless as possible. And, you know, during that critical period of the first 72 hours or just, you know, when it's really supposed to hurt for the first few days, uh, it, I almost forgot that I that I quit because, again, I had, you know, I had uh, mid-grade cannabis. About. And as soon as it becomes not ridiculously taxed here, like, and it's the same price as buying a bag of tobacco, then hell yeah, I'll just start smoking all that. Oh yeah, who would want a, a you know no matter how fine a cigarette? I I, I had an Indian cigarette once that some coworkers from India, uh, you know, like from Bangladesh, shared with me. Like a and this was the most amazingly smooth tobacco cigarette I have ever in my freaking life even imagined. This was just like an incredible cigarette. The way it was cured or something it was so smooth. It was just. <laughs> It was amazing. Okay, so as amazing as this cigarette was, if for like you're saying with the taxes and everything, if for roughly the same money, I can get a spliff of even low grade, even seven eight percent THC. Uh, yeah, who the hell would choose the tobacco? Who would choose the tobacco? Tell me. I I just mix them. It's it's nice that way. But yeah, it gets expensive if that's all you smoke for sure. Like, oh, do you do the mixture like the like like the hip hop artists one thing the where they do half. a tobacco uh, herb mix? Are they rapping about that now? See, I always I miss... just was I, I thought that was called a split. Yeah, it's totally. What I it's thought called. the split was what folks in the UK called a joint. No, yeah, I, I've heard that. No, in the UK it's hashin <laughs> tobacco, I think, because there's no weed there apparently. No, I, I don't know. I haven't. <laughs> what were you gonna say? Uh, I, I came across uh, an article that was just published, um, let's see, like a month ago or so in the Frontiers of Cellular Neuroscience. Uh, um, uh, you had me at Neuroscience <laughs> Frontiers. And, and I'm just going to read the, the title. It's really cool. Pharmacological activation of CB2 receptors counteracts the deleterious effects of ethanol on cell proliferation in the main neurogenic zones of the adult rat brain. So you get a bunch of rats wow. drunk, and then you give them weed. Essentially, yeah. I mean, what, and it not, winterizes these rats. Are they winterizing rats? Yeah, it will. You play spin it, the ah. bottle with the rats. Yeah, it'll That's essentially so change. Awesome. It'll allow these neurons to be repaired that are damaged from alcohol abuse. That's interesting. I mean, that's something that's that's really promising. You know, just kind of going along. It'd the be lines. interesting if that's kind of like the effect that ibogaine has on on addicts' brains. How it kind of repairs stuff, both plant medicines yeah. that can in conjunction well, with each other do I'm, gonna have, I'm gonna have to interrupt right now it is seven o'clock yeah and i have to get to an event here absolutely in las vegas for the arcview investors um so unfortunately i have to sign off but this is great i think we should do it again um uh, and, and it was great to meet you matt and and good to see part of your face gooey <laughs> i uh it remains yeah, mystery. Who is Gooey Rabinsky? I don't know. You can find him on Waxy and find this guy at askthepotscientist.com. We'll put links to the YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all that fun stuff uh, in the show notes on hotboxpodcast.com. Thank, Thank you. But yeah, it was awesome having you, man. We'll definitely we'll do this again Good sometime. Time. We'll get some questions uh, for you, and we'll see if we can stump you. Excellent. I love getting stumped. That's I awesome. love when I get a question that I don't know the answer. Good. It's going right, to be well, our goal. Have fun night, at the conference, have man. Fun, dude. Awesome. Good night. Ask the pot scientist. Hey, good find, Gooey. Gooey, lately, I should mention, has been, he's been like, hey, you should have this person on. You should have this person on. All stuff, like, I just don't have time to do in between work and that. And, like, he's just like, oh, here. I'm like, all right, do yeah. it. And he, he, like, he brought him. So that, that was awesome, man. That was a good conversation. 
But no, he's he's excellent. He'd be a great return guest. He's one of those people who's you know eager and driven and intelligent and motivated and you know and they want to be on the show and they want to they want to educate people. You know, I think uh, you know we were talking earlier about uh, uh, Becca Williams, uh, the NPR veteran who who does the video series uh, Marijuana Straight Talk. Yeah, um, I, I think there's a lot of really interesting kind of personalities out there they aren't of, of the stature of say you know tommy chong or some national or international celebrity of the culture that's good because those people uh, won't come on our show so you know what <laughs> there you go, there you go. <laughs> that's awesome but, you know yeah they're not joe rogan you know they're, they're not tommy chong uh they're not doug benson but there's people who are you know just very very knowledgeable we're gonna get doug benson that's gonna be are that's gonna one of my benson? goals we're gonna get doug benson yeah. he i feel like he's one of the more accessible ones we'll, we'll make it happen you might have to lure him with like a really large cola. That's you know, no, I'll fish. Show. I'll fish him with a giant dragon ball if I have to. Well, apparently, <laughs> if you go to one of his shows, he's he's pretty open about saying he smokes up in the alley. Oh yeah, for sure. Of, of the show, he does shows so here he in Seattle got... sometimes. So I, I think I think we can we can get him. We'll lure him with terpene blends. <laughs> yeah, his four twenty show actually starts at like four forty because nice he gets started at four twenty. That's right, and you know stoner time, bro. It takes. <laughs> 20 minutes to set up <laughs> you know nice. the hot box when we say 7 or 6 p.m pacific time we actually mean like 6 10 to 6 20 so all right well you're hey pretty, you're pretty tight with your time you're pretty yeah tight. we try gooey's got some articles over on waxy so check that stuff out i got some new reviews out on stuffstonerslike.com uh good do you stuff. have anything you want to mention you got some music up you want to direct people to or anything like that uh, you can check out my soundcloud uh, professor progressor Nice. I'll, put, I'll, I'll find it and put a link to it in the show notes so you can just click it. So, all right. Well, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you guys next episode. Have thanks, a, man. Have a thanks. great evening. Thanks for having me. If you like you like this, this is where, is where you, you need to be. be. If you like weed, this is where you need to be. Thank you for listening to the Hot Box Podcast.